and uh, it's just great. I don't know if you're someone who, who sort of likes lists, but here's a great list. Now, uh, children, uh, I reckon, if I want to tell children some message, I reckon three things. No point in telling them on three things. They can sort of hold on to three things. Adults, maybe four things on a good day. No, probably still three. Um, so uh, that's why I've written them down for you because, you know, there's lots of things. That are, I can remember nine things because I can remember the uh, fruit of the Spirit. So I can do nine, but 16 just takes me over the edge. So uh, I do hope you'll sort of use this and uh, uh, keep it and just sort of use it as a little checklist, uh, you know, where, how many marks you get out of 10 for these. So let's start with love is patient. So patience can either be about people. Are we patient with people? Are we absolutely, uh, you, you know, let people over and over again irritate us or whatever, but still are patient? Or, and, or are, we, are we thinking about circumstances here? Well, I think the word apparently that is used here for patience is a word that's really to do with people. And there's a feeling that it's a word that means uh, you have a right... Uh, of revenge against a person, but you choose not to use it. Sort of lovely explanation that Chrysostom gave us uh, of that word. Uh, you have the right for revenge, but you don't use it. And you exercise just sort of uh, peacefulness in all you do. Now, um, it's going to be an interesting little moment for someone in church just in a moment when they find out about one of their forebears. Anyway, so if the date is we move the clock back 150 years or so to about 1860, we have the presidential election. We have uh, Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln is standing. And, uh, and he is a man who has failed over and over again in all sorts of ways and is just thought to be another failure. And his great rival was called Stanton. You might like to know that. I don't know whether it's related to Ed, but there you go. So Stanton really had it in for Lincoln. Stanton made, uh, well, no, he didn't make Donald Trump look like easy fare, but Stanton perhaps was where Donald Trump got his ideas of insults from. So Stanton said of Lincoln, for example, that he was a low-down, cunning clown. Stanton said there was no need for anyone to go to Africa to find a gorilla because the original gorilla is still is found walking around Springfield, which is where Lincoln lived, um, and he was the original gorilla. And so, but every time uh, he went for Lincoln, Lincoln just let it all pass, and Stanton kept on insulting him, and then Lincoln was elected to everyone's surprise, most of all uh, Lincoln himself, and... Um, the uh, Civil War happened straight after that, but Lincoln thought the best way of dealing with Stanton is to make him a minister in his government. So that's what he did, and he showed his patience uh, in that sort of way. And the first person pretty much on the scene when Lincoln was assassinated was Stanton, and he said, there lies the greatest man who has ever lived. And his patience, Lincoln's patience, even got through in the end to Stanton. Just a great story. Um, so we need to think about people who sort of we need to be patient with. Okay? It's not, so it's not the circumstances so much this is talking to us about. It's our loves, about our interaction with other people. 
we know what God is like. God is patient with us. When we fail over and over again, he keeps loving us. When we feel far away from God, it's because he's, we've moved, not because he's moved. He's always there for us. In our, in our dealings with others then, patience, when it says love is patient, it means we should be patient with other people. It's very clear and very simple. Um, Philippa has been going to hospital a fair bit and we went, I went in, I didn't tell her this actually because I would have got in trouble, but uh, as I went in the other day there was a second-hand bookstore, so I sort of can't actually walk past the second-hand bookstore without buying anything and I bought a book called The Daily Telegraph Book of Beth, the greatest ever sermons ever preached. I thought this should be interesting and I started reading it last night and it was very interesting. And we're thinking about love is kind. Now, uh, if these are the greatest sermons ever preached, well, I don't think many of the preachers came up trumps on that. Certainly not John Bunyan. There wasn't much uh, kindness there. Certainly not um, uh, who else was pretty tough. Charles Spurgeon. My goodness me, that was a bit of a scary sermon. Very, very good, but quite scary. Jonathan Edwards, the great reformer in America, that was really an unkind sermon and very scary indeed. There was just a little bit of hint of, of happiness in John Donne, the great uh, dean of St. Paul's Cathedral. He was, and Billy Graham was definitely, there was quite a lot of kindness in his, I'm glad to report. I'll have to sort of get, I, I must admit, I haven't read every word of Charles Haddon's sermon. Uh, he wrote so many sermons that, you, that they're now published as 67 big books. If you ever had sort of several lifetimes to get through, you could read those. But his sermon that he, in, in this particular book, is a sermon about uh, Christmas, actually. It's his Christmas Day or service before Christmas Day, uh, but he doesn't manage to get any kindness even into that subject, unfortunately. But kindness is something that's really important. Christians can very often be good, but not necessarily kind. We've got that saying, as cold as charity. Um, and just that pure kindness. You know, when I go into a school, when I go in, into a primary school, and I'm sort of judging the school, um, one thing I'm looking for is, is there an attitude of kindness there? Or, or is there much more an attitude of uh, just sort of uh, rules and everyone has to do exactly what you know, someone has laid down and etc. But we're looking for that kindness uh, as the next one that we need to mark ourselves again. I do try and do, do always try and be kind. Okay? It doesn't say, by the way, for all those of you who love the argument about is it better to be kind or fair, doesn't actually say love is fair, does it? It does say love is kind. So for those few of you who go for the kind element, because only 30% think you should go for kind and 70% think you should go for fair, uh, but, uh, and you can't say you do both. Um, so, uh, but there's that encouragement for those of you who are in the kind camp. Okay, what about envying? Ah, now at this point we've got a little sort of uh, break because I want to go on to our third bit of artistic, uh, uh, where love really comes out in its most artistic form. 
Now, probably all of you are, are, are sort of keen on poetry, and I want to introduce you to two sort of fabulous uh, people now who, who are going to come up, and we're going to imagine that there is a sort of wonderful frisson between uh, the late 16th century and the mid-19th century. So, Martin's going to play the part of uh, William Shakespeare. It's going to be very lovely. And Fiona might be a good choice to play the part of Elizabeth Barrett Browning, known as EBB to her friends. So, if you would like to come and... And so, they're going to share with us a little sonnet to each other. So, this is what poor old William Shakespeare feels about himself at first, but then just see how the mood changes. He's in a pretty distressed and disgruntled state at this point, feeling that everyone is criticising, a bit of envy coming in there and so on and so forth. Then later on, something happens to him. And listen out for the reference to Milford in this poem, by the way. Um, and also, uh, and then uh, Fiona saying, uh, EBB uh, is in a much more mellow mood. So let's listen to a couple of lovely sonnets. So this is Shakespeare's Sonnet 29. Perhaps you'll remember it from your school days. When in disgrace with fortune and man's eyes, I all alone beweep my outcast state, and trouble deaf heaven with my bootless cries, and look upon myself and curse my fate, wishing me like to one more rich in hope, featured like him, like him with friends possessed, desiring this man's art and that man's scope, with what I most enjoy contented lest. Yet in these thoughts myself almost despising, happily I think on thee. And then my state, like to the lark at break of day arising, from sullen earth sings hymns at heaven's gate. For thy sweet love remembered such wealth brings, that then I scorn to change my state with kings. This is Sonnet 43, which I'm sure you will also recognise. How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. I love thee to the depth and breadth and height my soul can reach when feeling out of sight for the ends of being and ideal grace. I love thee to the level of every day's most quiet need by sun and candlelight. I love thee freely as men strive for right. I love thee purely as they turn from praise. I love with a passion put to use in my old griefs and with my childhood's faith. I love thee with a love I seem to lose with my lost saints. I love thee with the breath, smiles, tears of all my life. And if God choose, I shall but love thee better after death. There you see in Shakespeare that everything is bad for this guy. Uh, 
everyone doesn't like him. He thinks he's sort of done something wrong. He doesn't like the way he looks. He doesn't like the way he acts. He doesn't like the way he knows. He thinks everyone does things better than himself and he's pretty miserable except that there is this wonderful, gorgeous, beauteous person who makes everything seem so wonderful. And then that wonderful list of all the ways in which uh, Elizabeth Bat Browning is loving uh, Robert Browning and uh, just amazing poetry there just uh, to sort of focus us even more on that. So envy is about wanting what other people have, this man's art and that man's scope. Um, and it's not, it can be even worse than that. The sort of worst form of envy is not really wanting that what that person's got uh, but for yourself, but just really wanting them not to have it. That's even sort of a worse form of envy. Uh, and uh, so envy is something that love is not anything about envy. It's not about wanting something, wanting even about thinking about jealousy uh, uh, as well, wanting somebody. Uh, uh, it's just not about that at all. So if envy is part of you, uh, then you, you, you sort of don't score very many marks on the love side of that. But it's something that God can work in you. Uh, and then, uh, so th- then uh, we come on to the next little part there. Uh, so love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast. Some people have a lot that they could boast about and just don't do that. Um, some people are just uh, the sort of people who are very humble. And uh, for a, a good, good story, it's told of... Um, William Carey, the great founder of the Baptist Ministry, Missionary Society, and he uh, was a very, man of very humble upbringing and very humble trade. And he, however, because of all the work he did in India and translated parts, at least the Bible, into 37 different Indian languages, he became sort of well-known around and was invited out to dinners and things, but people were quite often quite unpleasant to him and sort of uh, boastful uh, about themselves and, and, and tried to put him down. And, and uh, uh, someone said to him on one occasion, uh, a lord said to him, oh, I hear you were just a shoemaker when you started out. He said, oh no, not a shoemaker, I was just a cobbler. I didn't make shoes, I only mended them. And he, someone who could boast, but didn't. Uh, and, you know, chose not to be boastful. Uh, and boasting is something that isn't part of love. Neither is being proud. When we say we stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love us, a sinner condemned, unclean, there's no room in any way for us to have pride in our lives. So, moving on after that, we come on to think about love is not rude. I wonder what you sort of think about when we say that. Um, what I thought about when I was reading that is a, a sort of rather ugly word at first, I thought, was a word that I came across in um, just the most fabulous book, What's So Amazing by Grace, by Philip Yancey, which was uh, the word ungrace. So, Philip Yancey doesn't sort of go into... Uh, all the time saying when it's not grace it looks like this he he uses the word ungrace but actually it's a very useful word to think about uh, 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 about being rude Um, 
it's really important uh, to show grace in everything we do. To show kindness is the part of grace, but to show when you've got a right to uh, go for someone and have a strict rule, then grace can overcome that. One little thing was that when I became a head teacher, I remember uh, swimming and inevitably children would forget their swimming costumes. They might have forgotten them for their own fault. They might have forgotten them because their mum didn't pack them. And the typical thing that happened was they would get jolly good telling off so that they wouldn't forget it, you know, next time. I said, let's not do that. Let's just buy a load and just say, oh, borrow one if you'd like to. And it's just a nice little way of, that's why I always tell people it's such fun being a head teacher because you can do all the things that you wish people had done for you when you were at school. Um, and, you know, but grace is all about just uh, showing God's love and God's, and our undeserved, our, our, we just don't deserve God's love and just showing that. And I guess that's what rudeness is all about. So it moves on again and moves on to love is not irritable. Exasperation is a sign of defeat um, and we have to learn to master our temper and try to master our irritability. Sometimes we find ourselves in situations where uh, think everything is going dreadfully wrong and you think of the words of Kipling, if you can keep your head when all around are losing theirs and blaming it on you. And uh, if we can be those sorts of people through God's help and be the sort of people who are not uh, who are not irritable um, I love the one about storing up wrongs keeping a record of wrongs love is not about keeping a record of wrongs, just sort of try and remember it in all your dealings with people and if you find yourself saying well three weeks ago you said blah 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 so you're keeping a record of wrongs and try not to do it. It's the record of wrongs thing is an accountant's term, uh, and it's a sort of word uh, used in, in sort of banks and that sort of thing about when things went wrong in people's bank accounts, but this isn't about that. This is about how we absolutely uh, keep a, a record of wrongs, and we're told not to do that. God said, the Psalms tell us that as far as the east is from the west, that's how far God puts our sin away from us. And so we go on and we find that love also protects us in any situation. Love tells us that we can trust and we should trust people more, learn to trust God for every single thing in our lives. That's what love is. And love gives us hope for the future. Love is uh, not happy with evil or injustice. And when you see injustice and you see uh, evil, we need to stand against it. Three weeks, three or four weeks ago, uh, Philip, um, Peter Shaw rather, was here and he started talking about, you know, we've moved from the post-modern period to the post-truth period. Which is very interesting, which is why people are talking about sort of fake news and the head of Facebook is saying, you know, I've got to find some way of making sure fake news is not on Facebook. And, you know, the people who shout most about fake news are the people who are probably creating it. One can often see that happening as well. So we need not to be happy with injustice. The last thing that it says about love is that love keeps on going. It's everlasting. Love goes on forever. 
So do uh, use this. Do see how you match up to it. Uh, do uh, use this to think, okay, I'm quite good, I think, at having good hope for the future, but sometimes I'm a bit irritable and get cross very easily. I need to work on that. So use it as a, a way of keeping you right in the centre of God's love and God's care and just uh, uh, really keeping close to him. And uh, let's just close by praying again.